Section seven of the Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Four, the violin. One. I am unable to say exactly why I bought it. I suspect that the purchase had a certain connection with the price. Three and sixpence for a full-sized violin, splendid instrument rich tone in perfect condition best bow did not strike me as extravagant in fact it tickled me the shop looked like a marine store dealer's there were old books old boots old bottles and jam pots cheek by jowl with that fine violin had it that splendid instrument been the last resource of a street musician i wondered the proprietor of the shop appeared to be a lady she was very dirty and very fat i asked to see the fiddle taking it from the window without a word she placed it in my hands i am not a judge of violins i should not know an amati if i saw one as to stradivarius ernest told me the other day that violins posthumous violins of his manufacture are being turned out by the dozen cheap at a little town in germany i know very little more about stradivarius than that but ernest does he is a musician and i thought it would amuse him if i made him a present of a fine violin and best bow which together cost me three and sixpence how much for the case the fiddle had been reclining on the lid of an ordinary base-lined wooden case shilling said the lady it did not occur to me that this was dear the lady however seemed to suppose that my temporary silence conveyed a hint that it was because presently she observed i won't charge you anything for the case you will let me have the violin the bow and the case for three and sixpence yes said the lady i struck the bargain as i bore away the prize it crossed my mind that there was something perhaps a little remarkable about that violin a suspicion say of a receiver and a thief one must purchase violins bows and cases at a very low price to be enabled to sell them at a profit for three and sixpence my morality may have been lax but i told myself that that was the lady's affair not mine ernest came to dinner that night i have been buying you a present i remarked as he came in he looked at me and laughed i don't know if he imagined that my words contained a joke a present what sort of present a violin he glanced at the case upon the table a violin i say uncle i hope you haven't been making a fool of yourself he was on the point of saying but he wisely stopped in time just look at that violin and tell me what you think of it he opened the case he glanced at the violin as it lay within then he took it out he handled it reverently i have noticed that a genuine musician always does handle a fiddle even a common fiddle with a sort of reverence he turned it over and over he rapped its back softly with his knuckles he peeped into its belly he smelt it he tucked it under his chin 
then putting it down he fixed his eyes on me with a light in them as of a smile it's odd but do you know i seem to have seen this violin somewhere before where have you seen it i fancy you know better than i you have a little secret uncle come what is it is it a good violin he drew the bow across it tightening the strings then he played a little exercise and a snatch of some quaint melody then he lowered it and looked at it with glistening eyes it is a good violin how much is it worth it depends upon the man who buys it and upon the length of his purse i hope you did not give a fancy price is it dear at three and sixpence three and sixpence you are joking that is what i gave for it fiddle bow case and all he was turning it over and over where did you get it in a dirty shop in a dirty street off listen grove i feel sure i have seen it before do you recognize it by any mark i recognize it by every mark and he touched it with the bow i recognize it by its voice the idea struck me as fanciful in an orchestra of violins all playing the same music if one among them could be recognized by its voice it seems to me that that violin would not be popular but he is fanciful is ernest we went down to dinner during the meal he told me about a young man in whom he was much interested the name of this young man was philip courceau and he too was a musician according to ernest he was a strange and wild young man poor and proud impracticable too he relied upon his art for bread and his art had failed him nor was it strange from all that ernest said he had composed oratorios and grand operas and elaborate symphonies all the heavy artillery of music ernest declared that genius had inspired them all that unmistakable genius which rings clear and true but an unknown young man cannot go into the market with a grand opera in his hand and have it produced and paid for on the spot especially when that young man is a crotchety young man who has ideas of his own as to the way in which he wishes his work produced so mr courceau found pupils he scorned ernest for instance had found him one or two but his treatment of them was so extraordinary that as a matter of course he lost them he was never punctual he kept them waiting hours sometimes he never came at all and when he did appear he spent his breath and exhausted a considerable vocabulary in reviling them for their musical incompetence and crass-headed ignorance young lady pupils too and in the presence of their mothers mrs jones told him that he need not call again which was not strange of mrs jones who did not pay to have the pleasure of hearing her daughter rated as being lower than the beasts that grovel as i have said my nephew was telling me about that friend of his as we were eating our dinner my dining-room is under the drawing-room and in the drawing-room we had left that three-and-six-penny fiddle while the fish was being removed we distinctly heard above our heads the sound of a violin it was ernest who heard it first you have a musician in the house a musician 
what do you mean for the change of themes was sudden he was in the very middle of the story of his friend someone in the drawing-room is favouring us with a solo on the violin i listened it was as he said the sound was unmistakable someone was fiddling while we dined which of your maids is a mistress of harmony i was not aware that i had such a paragon it is the first i have heard of it just then rouse came in with the entree rouse who is in the drawing-room the question appeared to surprise him i am not aware sir that any one is there is someone go up and see who it is rouse went almost immediately the sound of playing ceased rouse has stopped the concert the man returned well who was it no one sir is in the drawing-room no one is or no one was no one was sir he smiled i glanced at ernest and ernest glanced at me he seemed to be a trifle incredulous then who was that playing the violin i fancy sir that it must have been someone in the street if it was someone in the street then my ears had played me a curious trick i thought it possible that rouse was screening one of the maids i chose to let it pass i recurred to the subject of our conversation well and about your friend he has disappeared disappeared into thin air like that performer on the violin there was a suggestive twitching about the corners of ernest's lips i am afraid he thought that rouse had been guilty of what may be politely termed a subterfuge more than a week ago he left his lodgings with his violin case in his hand and he has not been heard of since ha there is the performer back again there was this time it sounded as though someone upstairs was tuning the violin rouse who is upstairs the man stood listening i will go and see sir there was certainly no one there just now as before the sound ceased almost directly he had left the room rouse has stopped the concert for the second time just as the fair musician was tuning up to ernest seemed to take it for granted that it was a maid when rouse reappeared in the room his bearing was a trifle disturbed there was no one upstairs sir it must have been in the street i kicked at this come rouse that won't do did it sound to you as though it were in the street it didn't sir but it must have been there's no one upstairs and the maids are all below besides sir there is no one in the house as plays the fiddle ernest interposed a smile was twinkling in his eyes where was the violin there's a violin case upon the table sir i don't know if a violin is in it the case is closed i left it closed ernest's tone was dry i could see he had his doubts as to the man's veracity rouse has been in my service nearly thirty years and i do not remember having once detected him in a lie if he was screening any one i would have it out with him when my visitor had gone i did not intend to humiliate a tried and faithful servant 
in the presence of my young gentleman i returned to the erratic mr courceau i suppose when your friend disappeared he left a little bill behind you little know courceau he had the most astonishing notions about money matters some time ago when i knew he was in a tight place i ventured to offer him a loan i never ventured to repeat the offer that sort of thing sounds very well my boy among boys but did he leave a little bill not the ghost of one he paid up his week's lodging the very day he left his landlady says that she believes he expended his last penny in doing so she says too that she believes that he has been starving himself for weeks i myself have noticed that he has become worn almost to a shadow but with such a man as that what could you do the more he needed help the farther he would shrink from it in his uttermost extremity he would owe nothing even to his dearest friend do you know his haunts i ought to none better but he has been seen nowhere and by no one as is the case with our friend upstairs he has vanished into air i did not like the illusion myself as for rouse i saw he winced did this remarkable friend of yours burden himself with any portion of his baggage he took nothing but his violin was that his instrument all instruments were his but it was his first love and his last he used to say of his violin that to him it was mother father wife and friend as i was hesitating whether to smile at the folly of these young men ernest half rose from his seat he pointed upwards with his hand back again as he put it the sound of the violin was back again listen don't trouble yourself rouse to go upstairs and stop the concert but stand a bit and listen let us hear of what metal the performers made we listened the while ernest held up his hand as if commanding silence is that in the street it did not sound as though it were ernest moved a little from the table come let us go upstairs and surprise this fair musician possibly this is the case of a light which hitherto has shone unseen he went to the door he opened it softly so as to make no noise with the handle in his hand he stood and listened hark let us hear what it is she or he is playing we all were silent listening to the music which came floating through the open door uncle ernest turned to me a startled look was on his face surely surely i know that air it was strange to me quaint and sweet and mournful like the refrain of an old world song i would i were a musician i would write it here it is a thing of Courcelles. suddenly ernest threw the door wide open he went into the hall i went with him amused at his eagerness we stood at the foot of the stairs and listened do you mean that it is a composition of the friend of whom you have been telling me i do i'll swear to it i've heard him playing it then possibly he has attained to greater fame than he imagines but it's unpublished uncle courceau is upstairs 
he grasped my arm with a degree of force which was a little disconcerting nonsense your friend would scarcely carry his eccentricity so far as to enter uninvited and unannounced the house of a perfect stranger that is unless he is burglariously inclined i know his touch do you think that any one but a master could play like that it was fine playing very soft and delicate but instinct with a strength and a force and a passion which was perceptible even at our post of disadvantage at the foot of the stairs a street musician would scarcely play like that and a parlour-maid it is one of his freaks he has heard that i was here and thought he would surprise me the presence of the violin upon the table was a temptation beyond his strength it is the man all over uncle let's turn the tables we'll surprise him he began gingerly to ascend the stairs i followed a step or two behind about half way up he stopped i call that playing so did i as we mounted higher the sound was clearer the voice of the violin was sweeter than any human voice i ever heard unwilling as i was to be disturbed at dinner the food spoiling on the table i could not but acknowledge that as ernest said it was the hand of a master which held that bow a moment listening we paused then again ascended sweeter and sweeter grew the music until just as we reached the uppermost stair all at once it ceased he has heard us but never mind he can't escape us ernest rushed forward he threw the door wide open he entered the room curso philip hello why there's no one there there did not seem to be i followed pretty close upon my enthusiastic nephew's heels the room was empty he's in hiding come you rogue where are you we know you're here philip do you think i don't know your touch and that queer song of yours come out you beggar why wherever can he be yes where my drawing-room contains no screen no cupboard not an article of furniture behind which even a child could hide ernest in his impetuous way scoured round the room it was empty i confess that i was puzzled we both of us stared round and round the room as though staring would resolve the mystery rouse was standing in the doorway he apparently had taken french leave and followed us upstairs he spoke there wasn't no one in the room when i came up just now it was the same with me i heard the fiddling most distinct as i was coming up the stairs when i reached the landing it stopped i made sure that whoever it was had heard me and i should find him in the room but when i opened the door there wasn't no one there you see sir although it didn't sound as though it was it must have been in the street in the street you idiot do you think i'm deaf i mildly interposed but my dear fellow there is the violin in its case upon the table it doesn't look to me as if the case had even been opened ernest made a dash at it he opened the lid he took out the fiddle as he did so he gave a start which was quite dramatic he stared at it as though he had never seen such a thing as a fiddle before 
it's Courceau's violin his exclamation startled me Courceau's violin it reminded me of mr box's remark to mr cox have you a strawberry mark on your left arm no then you are you are my long-lost brother the recognition was too opportune come ernest ernest don't strain the thing too far you recognize it i presume by the catgut and the bridge ernest paid no heed to my admittedly feeble attempt at chaff i am no great hand at badinage he continued to hold the fiddle in front of him with both his hands glaring at it as if it were a ghost it's courceau's violin i thought i knew it when i saw it first i know it now it's phillips how do you know it's phillips he did not directly answer me placing the fiddle very carefully upon the table he stood for a moment in apparent agitation uncle there is some mystery don't laugh at me i dare say i was smiling something has happened to courceau from the character you have given the man the thing is very possible and still there may be no mystery some time ago courceau wrote the words of a little song which he set to music the thing was in commemoration of certain pleasant days which he and i had spent together i am nearly certain that no one ever heard of its existence except we two he called it where the willows cast their shade it is that which we have just heard played where the willows cast their shade rather a curious title for a song but even in titles curiosities seem to be the mode are you sure it was the same am i sure it was the quaintest thing like all he wrote even the merest trifles peculiarly characteristic is it not strange that i should hear courceau's song whose very existence was known only to him and to me played on courceau's violin i stared do you mean to say that the man has been in this room and at our approach to use your own phrase vanished into air ernest became preternaturally grave he is the funniest lad uncle strange things have happened they have as witness my being disturbed in the middle of my dinner how on earth do you know that that three-and-sixpenny affair is courceau's violin that is easily solved we will go to the shop at which you bought it and ascertain from whom they got it we went there and then with the dinner not half eaten rouse must have had doubts about my sanity i have declared not once but a hundred times that not for the queen of england would i be disturbed at dinner yet before we had even eaten the entree that young man whom i had invited to dinner dragged me from my own house on a dirty night and put me into a hansom and drove me through the slums of london in search of a rag shop as the vehicle rattled over the stones i reflected upon what could be brought about by the expenditure of such a sum as three and sixpence the rule of a lifetime shattered at a blow the cabman could not find the street i did not know its name how i originally chanced on it is more than i can say i am not in the habit of wandering in the pearl use of lisson grove we went poking out of one hole and into another i should think we must have penetrated at least half a dozen 
when just as i really believed the cabman was on the point of insulting us we lighted not only on the street but on the shop as well the lady was in the same lady a little dirtier perhaps but still the same my nephew conducted the negotiations we have called about a violin which this gentleman purchased here this afternoon the lady stared at us with a watery a gin and watery eye could you tell me from whom you got it the lady's response was oracular perhaps i could perhaps i couldn't the fact is that i have reason to believe that it belonged to a friend of mine whose whereabouts i am very anxious to discover that don't make no odds to me but it makes considerable odds to me such odds that i am willing to give half a sovereign if you will tell me from whom you got it if for instance he was a stranger to you could you describe his appearance well i could and that's sacred truth good reason i have to remember him indeed ernest's tone was sympathetic cause i gave more for that there fiddle than what i sold it for i should think that you are hardly in the habit of doing that are you perhaps this time there was the suspicion of a sarcastic intonation i ain't i shouldn't make much of a living if i was should i i don't mind saying it now i've sold the thing but that there fiddle ain't all there do you mean that part of it is missing no i don't i don't believe in ghostesses nor none of them there rubbishes but if there ain't a ghost about that there fiddle i never heard of one i glanced at ernest ernest glanced at me the lady continued it's got a trick of playing tunes all by itself when there ain't no one there to play em no one there to play them of course you're joking i ain't joking i ain't a joking sort to do her justice i am bound to own that she didn't look as though she were the very first night it played a tune and it's played the same tune every blessed night since it's been in the shop the same tune always the same would you know it if you heard it i ought to i've heard it often enough lord knows and i ain't over and above anxious to hear it again is this it ernest whistled a little air it was the same which we had heard being played as we were ascending the stairs quite an uncomfortable change took place in the lady's bearing hardly had ernest whistled a couple of notes than with a sort of groan she shrank back against the wall that's it stop it it gives me creeps and crawlers now tell me from what sort of person did you purchase the violin a little chap about up to your shoulder the queerest looking little chap ever i see he had long black hair and big eyes uh, as big as bull's-eye lanterns and that there wild they made him look stark mad he was that there thin anybody could see he hadn't had a square meal for a month of sundays he says what'll you give me for my fiddle i wondered if it was a swap that he was after do you mean how much money i says yes he says how much money i'll give you five bob i says 
five bob for my fiddle he gives a kind of laugh though it wasn't the sort of laugh what did you good to hear not by no manner of means i'll take it he says so after all she hadn't given so much more for the thing than she had sold it for i was took back cause i see it was worth more than five bob but it wasn't my business to tell him so hardly i hands him the pieces let me play a last tune upon my fiddle he says he picks it up and he plays that same tune which you've just now whistled he could play he could then he kisses the fiddle and he goes away the lady paused we stood silent i puts the fiddle on that shelf just where you're standing that night i woke up sudden i couldn't make out what it was had woke me then i heard a noise first i thought it was cats but it wasn't no cats it was someone fiddling right in the shop well i says blame their impudence if someone ain't busted in so i comes downstairs without my shoes and stockings on and i stands outside the door what leads into the shop and i listens if it wasn't the same tune the little chap had played if this ain't good i says to myself blow me if he ain't come back after his fiddle i'll fiddle him i has the lamp in my hand and i opens the door sudden and i goes in the lady paused you may believe me or you mayn't but there wasn't no one there never a one i couldn't make it out i tell you that as i was going forward i all but steps upon the fiddle and the bow what's a lying on the floor now then i says where's the party as put you there believe me or believe me not there wasn't a creature in the place it ain't a large shop you see and i routes in every corner i looks at the window and the door the shutters was up and the door was locked and bolted just as i left it i thought it queer but i thought it queerer when the same thing comes the next night and the next and the next it preys upon my mind so not being used to nor yet partial to ghostesses and such like rubbishes that i says to myself i'll get rid of the thing even if i does it at a loss as we were going away i said to ernest rather a curious story that of the ladies ernest was sitting back in the cab he seemed to be lost in reflection very there was a momentary silence i told you it was Crusoe's violin that was philip the queer little man with the long black hair and the great big eyes i used to have fears sometimes that in those big eyes genius was struggling with insanity he was at times so strange starved for a month of sundays philip what a wrench to have parted with his violin how bitterly he must have been amused by her offer of five shillings he played his last tune and kissed it philip we dismissed the cabman at the corner of the square the night had become fine we walked together towards my house we were distant from it perhaps twenty yards when ernest pausing laid his hand upon my arm listen there is little traffic in the square at night all was still he is playing for a second or two i did not grasp my nephew's meaning but as i strained my ears to catch the slightest sound i understood it better 
for i caught the sound of a fiddle it was very faint so faint as to be scarcely audible but it was unmistakable come said ernest let us go nearer we approached the house in front of it we paused beyond doubt the music came from within and from an upper room the same quaint melody which we had heard before played by a master's hand i wonder why he always plays that tune i was unable to supply the information frankly i was becoming a little bewildered with the lady at the rag shop i had no faith in ghostesses and such like rubbishes but the thing was getting curious i opened the front door with my latch-key an unusual spectacle greeted us as we entered the hall all the maids were grouped together in a little crowd guarded as it were by the stalwart rouse there was no necessity to ask the cause it was the music in the drawing-room rouse however seemed to think that an explanation was required it's not my fault sir i couldn't get them to stop in the kitchen they seem to think that there's a spirit sir upstairs the playing has been going on for half an hour and more don't let me have any nonsense i am ashamed of you are you afraid of a fiddle the cook ventured on a meek remonstrance it isn't the fiddle sir it's the fiddler i drove them down rouse in his sheepishness almost treading on the women's petticoats then i turned to ernest i like the lady we have just been interviewing am not partial to ghosts with your permission this time i will lead the way upstairs i led the way ernest following closely after the music continued always the same quaint air it was pretty but the player must have found that the absence of variety became a trifle monotonous on this occasion even when we reached the landing there was no cessation the fiddler still fiddled apparently we have managed to remain unheard now for your eccentric friend with a quick movement i opened the drawing-room door ernest and i entered almost side by side for an instant after our entrance the playing continued i saw that the violin was raised i saw that the bow was being drawn across the strings but who held the violin and who handled the bow there was no evidence visual evidence to prove if we could trust our eyes the room was empty all at once before we could say a word or offer any sort of interposition the playing ceased the violin and the bow were placed upon the table not dropped but laid carefully down and all was still end of section 7